and welcome to this episode of Chatting with the Lightkeeper. I'm Edward, and the other night I had an interesting experience. Uh, I have recently cut the cord, so to speak, and, and by cutting the cord, meaning I have ditched actually having um, internet and TV provided by a cable company. I am completely wireless when it comes to my internet, and now um, when it comes to you know, the occasional times that I watch TV, it's all, it's all wireless and, you know, through, you know, smart TV and apps. And it's, it's actually wonderful. Um, cause there is always something that I can find to watch when I decide I want to just more or less veg out in front of the TV, which is a rarity. But the other night I was having a bit of a struggle sleeping. So, you know, I decided to flip on the idiot box and, and see what choices were there. And somehow one of the things I stumbled upon was the old movie Ghostbusters. And in Ghostbusters, uh, Rick Moranis, if you don't know him, he's was, I guess, fairly popular comedian, comedic actor in the in the 80s. I would I would say it was the 80s. Um, I knew him best for um, being I can't remember whether he was Bob or Doug McKenzie of the McKenzie Brothers from uh, Second City TV, um, which is kind of, I always found it funny because growing up, I lived very near Canada and Rick Moranis is Canadian along with uh, Dave Thomas, who was his um, partner in the uh, the McKenzie Brothers skits for SCTV. And so they poked a little fun at Canadians and how Americans, I think, view Canadians and it always made me laugh because being so close to Canada and actually probably consuming more Canadian media than American media, uh, just simply because of location. Anyway, in the movie Ghostbusters, he's playing, um, I can't even remember the character he is other than it's, you know, kind of the bumbling idiot type character, which he seems to be very gifted at or typecast as. I'm not sure which is which way is more accurate, but somehow he falls under the spell of one of the, I don't know, ghosts or ghouls or goblins, whatever the um, spirit in Ghostbusters is, and he is wandering around asking, and I think he was looking for the key master because he was the gatekeeper, or he was the key master looking for the gatekeeper. Anyways, he's part of this like quest to find a gatekeeper, which kind of got me thinking about gatekeeping and how we gatekeep in the lifestyle. And not all gatekeeping, which, you know, is, is a bad thing because sometimes in the lifestyle, it is good to have some gatekeepers and gatekeeping happening in the lifestyle, especially when it comes to, um, maybe requiring some sort of certification in a group um, to be able to take part in, you know, certain types of activities or, or, or play or needing to demonstrate that you have the skill level in order to safely do whatever it is um, when it comes to lifestyle play or even sort of verifying your experience level once again, to to participate in certain things, because as we all know, you know, it the lifestyle can 
some of the play can be dangerous, especially if somebody doesn't know what they're doing and they might be trying to fake it in order to make it. So a little bit of gatekeeping in that way is something that keeps us safe. And we also kind of have to be our own gatekeepers by who we allow in and who we choose to engage in things with for our own our own safety. And it doesn't matter your role, whether you're submissive or dominant or a switch, you know, we all need to keep ourselves safe. So in a way, gatekeeping isn't necessarily a bad thing, even though a lot of times when you hear, oh, they're, you know, that person's a gatekeeper or they're gatekeeping, and it can be seen as a negative connotation. And sometimes there is, there is some bad gatekeeping that happens in the lifestyle. Other times, gatekeeping happens unintentionally. Somebody maybe shares a thought and somebody overreacts. Not that that would ever happen on, you know, any type of social media where there's an overreaction to a post or a comment. That, I mean, that just rarely happens, right? All kidding aside, though, it does happen and, and things get, you know, people get their noses out of whack and they assume things they shouldn't assume from, well, we all know how that works. But one of the biggest, I guess, places where we gatekeep is when how we define who is or is not part of the lifestyle. There are so many people who believe that um, if you are in or around the lifestyle, but you are not seeking a full-on lifestyle relationship that somehow you're not really in the lifestyle. Maybe you just like the kinky sex or you enjoy little bits here and there, but it, it's not a pillar of a relationship or a relationship you're seeking. You just like a little, little fun and games. And so they will try and discount you or use their their uh, gatekeeping mentality to try and keep you out of the lifestyle. And that is, that is so not the case. Really, anybody can, can be here and, and be welcomed here. So it, when it comes to the lifestyle, I know it sounds crazy, but we really need to kind of start with what exactly is BDSM? I mean, how, how do we, we define it? And of course, it's simple. It's an acronym. And there's bondage, which, yes, that's either tying somebody up, being tied up, or maybe you enjoy, you know, sometimes you enjoy being tied up, other times you enjoy being the, the person doing the tying up. And however you enjoy it, if that's if that's something that's in your wheelhouse, you enjoy it, welcome to the lifestyle. You're, you're right here. You're part of the acronym. And the next one is discipline. And this one is something that... I don't know. For some reason, so many people think discipline means accountability, which it can and it does for many. But really at its core, discipline is about teaching your partner to that you want them to behave in a certain way. And it's not just dominants who are teaching or, you know, getting their submissive to behave or act or do in a certain way or do however that plays out. It's 
uh, dominance adjusting and disciplining themselves, if you will, to fit what their submissive needs. It goes both ways. It's not just the dominant laying down rules or expectations or or guidelines, how, whatever it is that, that is that structure. Uh, you know, a lifestyle relationship doesn't necessarily have to have discipline as part of it. Many do, but it doesn't have to be there. And another thing about discipline, and especially online, you see so many so many dominants who seem to be fixated upon it, and they have like pre-made pre-made rules. They don't have a submissive, but when they do, here's the 50 things that the submissive will have to do because this dominant has already decided what structure is going to be there. And if you are new to the lifestyle, that probably sounds a little appealing, perhaps, that this dominant has the experience and knows exactly what they want, and they've laid it out. The problem is, is what they've laid out is not fitted to that partnership. It's just a a general outline, and many of the, the dominants who have done that overlook the fact that this should just be a, a big-picture thing. They already have the structure. They're just looking to put somebody into their pre-made structure. It's almost like the submissive would be cookie dough and the rules and structure would be the cookie cutter or the, and I, and I apologize, I am not a baker. So the, you know, the little contraption that, that cuts the cookie dough into the pre-made shape. And look, face, let's face it, submissives or anybody in this world is not, is not just cookie dough that you jam into a contraption to force into a shape. Everyone is unique. Everyone comes with their own unique shape. So it's really, really something that needs to be done individually rather than, rather than predetermined because people are not, are not cookie dough. And the other thing about many dominants, um, especially in the online world, and this always is one of those little telltale red flags for me that when a dominant is obsessive on the having punishments or corrections predetermined often to go with their predetermined list of uh, rules when they're searching for a submissive for example submissive breaks rule number seven it triggers punishment number 14 it's sort of like a computer if-then statement. If this happens, then this is next. And once again, we don't live in a world that is defined by when this happens automatically, that gets triggered. It'd be nice if the world worked in such an orderly manner where we knew if this happened, what was going to happen next. Unfortunately, it just doesn't roll that way. So the discipline side of things is something that needs to be done in a way that that's individualistic, just like every relationship and every person is an individual and unique. It's not something that can be pre pre-made and ready to go. Just pop in the right person. 
it's great to have some ideas. It's great to have desires, but we can't lose sight of the fact that um, everything is going to be unique because we are all unique as humans. So there, the discipline thing can be kind of a convoluted mess, but it's there. It's a part of the lifestyle, but you can be in the lifestyle and not, uh, not be into the whole discipline part of it. Next up in the little acronym is, is domination, which is, you know, of course, liking to be in charge. And this runs the full gamut from maybe liking to be in charge and just, just during playtime, or perhaps you like being in charge sometimes and other times you, you don't like being in charge. Maybe you're a switch and maybe it's just for play or maybe it's, maybe it's serious. Maybe you want to be you know, in charge of the relationship or however it best fits for you. Once again, it's a wide, wide gamut and we need to not, not gatekeep and say, oh, well, you know, you have to be in charge this much of the time or however it's, it, you know, this is something once again, that is not a, not a way to determine who is or who is not a part of the lifestyle. And of course, the opposite of domination is submission and just like, you know, on the, on the D side, the submissive side, once again, can just be for fun, for play, occasionally, all the time, full time in a relationship. It can run the gamut and it should not be a qualifier or disqualifier um, for things. Then we come to the next S and or alternative meaning for S, I guess we could say. And that would be sadomasochism. And I know that there are people out there who believe that uh, that somehow pain has to be a part of a lifestyle relationship or that you have to enjoy giving it or receiving it uh, to be in the lifestyle. That is a falsehood. That's, that is definitely not the case. It can be something that you don't enjoy isn't a part of anything you do and you can still be in the lifestyle or it can be mild from you just enjoy say a tap on the rear during during playtime to um, you know full-on spankings or other types of impact play or you know the infliction of pain for pleasure or receiving a pain for pleasure it can run the full gamut or it cannot be a not be a part of it and speaking of that, I have a bad, is it possible to have a kinky dad joke? Uh, if so, I have one. And here we go. The masochist said to the sadist, hurt me. And the sadist responded with no. I, I know it's, it's lame, it's bad, but it also kind of highlights another side of the, the sadomasochism thing is that not all pain is physical. Sometimes people enjoy a uh, bit of mental anguish inflicted on them, or they enjoy inflicting the mental anguish. So it's important to understand that that's also part of part of that. It's not just physical. Perhaps even maybe just a good good mind fuck. And perhaps that might be the first f bomb I've said on this on this podcast. But hey, I did it. I broke the ice and we've gotten the F-bomb out of the way. So it's it's all in perspective. 
Another thing that gets brought up oftentimes as being a qualifier, if you will, is that somehow humiliation must be a part of it if you are to be seen as in the lifestyle. And once again, just like pain, it is definitely something that you do not have to be in. And I know many of you, when I said humiliation, I'm sure there is many of you that have said, ooh, ick, no way, hard limit, I'm taking a pass. I That is, no, I don't get into that at all. And that's absolutely fine. But let's talk a little bit about humiliation real quick because it's it's more than what meets the eye. Was that a anybody out there if they remember the old cartoon GI Joe somewhere or advertisement for it I think it was more than meets the eye? Was that or no, that's Transformers. Sorry, Transformers of my youth. That was one of their slogans. They were more than meets the eye. Sorry, shiny thing moment there. But anyways, humiliation is often misunderstood. So it's important to not yuck on somebody's yum. If that's their yum, don't think that they're an evil or bad person for it. Um, it's also important that when we talk about humiliation or humiliation play, that it's not being done in a vanilla setting where we are imposing our kinky values system, if you will, on vanilla people who are not consenting to see us enjoy our, our kinks. So how we practice things, it's very important. Um, also, any type of this humiliation play does require a massive amount of trust. And I know you, many of you are still sitting there going, no, it's, this is not for me. And most of the things that come to mind when you think of humiliation or activities around the lifestyle that involve, fall under the humiliation genre, are things that even I say, yep, no, that's not for me. But when you step back and you kind of do a deeper dive, you're going to find that actually things that are classified under humiliation can be things that perhaps you enjoy. Because I used to be a hard no when it comes to humiliation. No, it's a hard no. Absolutely not. I don't understand it. I don't get it. It's not my jam. Once again, if it's somebody else's jam and they're doing it consensually, rock on, enjoy it. And then suddenly I learned there's much more to it than the extreme things that always came to my mind. And suddenly they're like, oh, I kind of enjoy that. Oh, yeah, I do. Boy, I like that. And, oh, yeah, I like that. That that can be fun. So let's go through some of the surprising things that you might find fun that would actually fall under this broad heading. If you are a dominant or submissive or even a switch and you're enjoying your, your playtime, have you ever enjoyed it where you had to uh, address your partner? For example, as if you are submissive, you had to address your partner as sir or ma'am or use a title. For example, during play, you had to call them, them daddy or you had to call them mommy. 
you know, using title during play. That's actually under there. How about um, choosing or perhaps being told to wear an anal toy? Whether you wear it discreetly in public or you wear it privately in your home, that actually falls under this. How about begging? In your play, have you ever, for example, begged your dominant to do something? Or has your dominant told you that they enjoy it when you beg them to do this or that? That falls under this category. Interestingly enough, blindfolds do. Yeah, that was that was a huge surprise. Um, another amazing one is crawling. Maybe you enjoy crawling to your partner sensually, or your partner enjoys seeing you crawl to them. Another one is where the dominant, for example, chooses chooses clothing. You know, today I would like you to wear the blue dress, or tonight when we go out to dinner, I'm going to order for you and. Once again, this is one of the fun things about the lifestyle is even though you're going out to dinner and it's in public, you're not going to be imposing your kinky jam on the vanilla world or the vanilla person that is waiting on your, your table. But it's almost seen as an old-fashioned gentlemanly thing to do and say the person that you're with will have this for dinner and I will have that. It's you're ordering for them, but you're not doing it in a condescending way. But that also can be part of the humiliation play. And I know we talked about discipline earlier, and this one falls under that discipline thing, but something as simple as standing in the corner can be seen as humiliation. Or having a submissive who broke a rule write lines can be seen as humiliation. Another one is the no undergarments under clothes. I guess you could say rule or request. That's an often that's a pretty common form of, you know, hey, tonight, no underwear for you when we go to the movies or we do whatever or even at home. You know, it's just you can't wear anything under, under you know, the outfit that I picked, perhaps that also falls under this. And even something as basic as wearing a collar can be seen as humiliation play, even though the meaning of a collar, if it is a non-play collar, is the equivalent of a, of a wedding band in the lifestyle. So there's so much more to humiliation than the the things that I think everyone's mind goes to when they hear humiliation. So it's important to realize that that... Perhaps when I said uh, humiliation is something that many people, you know, enjoy and other people immediately say no to, understand there's a lot more to it than just the more extreme thoughts that probably popped right to your, your mind. And why it's kind of important to cover all of this stuff is because there is no easy way to define who is or who is not part of the lifestyle. You can be very mild and be welcomed at the lifestyle lunch table, um, or you can be very wild, I guess, would be the opposite of mild uh, with your your interest in the lifestyle and also be welcome. There is no 
no right or wrong answer um, to who is able to join the kinky lunch table. Uh, granted, you probably won't uh, won't be sitting with the cool kids because our numbers are small, and you know we are more typically tend to be more nerds, geeks, and people who are in touch mentally with ourselves than uh, than the cool kids, if you will, hearkening back to the years as a teenager in school and the lunchroom experience. However, there are cool kids around at the the kinky lunch table as well. You, you know, can be a cool kid and still join the kinky adult table. Just when I say kid, do be of a consenting legal age. Um, if not, uh, that would be something that would be a good type of gatekeeping to have because let's face it, the lifestyle does involve adult choices. And yes, I am certain there are some very mature people who are not of legal age that could potentially handle the lifestyle. But at certain youthful ages, focus on people need to be focusing on enjoying life rather than pondering kinktastic things, in my opinion. Plus, once again, it is an adult lifestyle, making adult choices, especially since for most of us, no matter where we live, many of the things that make up the lifestyle that you may enjoy about the lifestyle are things that could, if things go bump, bring adult consequences, for example, legal consequences, that, yeah, you need to be an adult to be here. And so that is just my two cents there. And if you disagree, then you disagree. But my two cents. Now, there is some bad gatekeeping around the lifestyle because people do try to, and I don't know why, but gatekeep to keep people out of the lifestyle rather than welcoming them in. You know, it's very common to people to gatekeep. Oh, you're just here because you like kinky sex. You like to do just this little bit of kink. You're into spanking, but nothing else, for example. And people will try to gatekeep you out because they will say, oh, well, you're not really in the lifestyle. No, you just the way you practice the lifestyle is different than the way they practice the lifestyle, and you are still welcome here. A common way that we see this, this bad gatekeeping will be the post about what a real dominant is. I think I chatted about the fact that I can't be a real dominant because I don't have facial hair at one point. Yeah, just because I don't look like I am a cast member of Duck Dynasty doesn't mean I can't be a dominant. And the same thing with submissives. There are all kinds of posts out there in the world that'll say true submissives do X, Y, and Z. Well, you can be a submissive and do A, B, and C rather than X, Y, and Z. It's all individual, but we see examples of that commonly as gatekeeping. Another area where, where we gatekeep is the isms of the lifestyle. I talked about that in a podcast. Um, doesn't seem like too long ago. I'm not sure how, how long ago it was, but it does pop to my mind. So it can't be that long ago if it's popping to mind. But we use stereotypes and prejudice 
prejudices to limit access. Um, the common one is women are submissive, men are dominant. It's, it's a very common prejudice out there. And we know it's not the case, but it's a common mistake that is often made. Um, and when it comes to stereotypes, there are all kinds of stereotypes. Um, if you don't happen to follow along uh, over on Instagram, I'm doing, I do a little daily series Monday through Friday where every little, little, I guess, little video is shorter than 90 seconds about something in the lifestyle and currently working through 25 stereotypes of, um, of the lifestyle that are out there and that these are fairly common and you will bump up against these stereotypes. And if you're not on Instagram, um, that's fine. Head over to wherever you get your podcast. And I know it's a bit of a mouthful, but it's the daily DS presented by chatting with the Lightkeeper. Just type in, you know, the daily DS and chatting with the Lightkeeper, and you'll, you'll find, find these little, these little 90 second little clips all together as, as a podcast. So they're short, quick, and easy. But there are so many stereotypes that unfortunately get used as, as means to gatekeep, to keep people out of the lifestyle. And we should be focusing on keeping people in the lifestyle or bringing in more people saying, hey, it's okay to just be, enjoy this little bit of kink. Come on over and learn more about, learn more about things. And the other thing that this does is it helps reinforce the inaccurate and unfair portrayals of the lifestyle. You know, it's it just it's sad that it happens, but when we gatekeep around the lifestyle, we are kind of reinforcing a lot of the myths that vanilla people have about us. And we shouldn't shouldn't be doing that. Just like some of the some of the gatekeeping is also related to a true way mentality. And if you're new, it sounds like I just said true, T-R-U-E. Um, but in actuality, this is spelled T-W-U-E. Some people will pronounce it twoo or, you know, kind of like the best Bugs Bunny voice, if you will. But it's that there's like one way to do the lifestyle and often it's their way is how you do the lifestyle, which we all know it's individualistic and what works for you, as long as it's safer, consensual, and everybody's doing it with informed consent. Wonderful. Rock on. And yeah, so we, we gatekeep around that. And another place where there's gatekeeping and I guess we'll put this into one of Edward's pet peeves. And this is groups, and it's especially true with groups online. And I'm not saying that all online discussion groups are like this, because they're not. However, experience shows that many are. We all like to hear how awesome we are and how our opinions are correct and right. And... No one really likes to be challenged. Let's face it, it's not so fun when somebody says, hey, I disagree with you, especially online, because typically online, when somebody says they disagree, they don't do so from a place of politeness. And here's why I disagree, because blah, blah, blah. And even if it's, even if it, there's, there's no, typically, shouldn't say there's no. 
typically online, civil disagreement is a rarity when it's easier to say, I disagree, and then they respond like a twat waffle and tell you what an awful individual you are because your opinion doesn't align with theirs. So in a lot of online discussion groups about the lifestyle, there's gatekeeping because they like to keep everybody on the same page rather than have differing viewpoints openly discussed, even if they're viewpoints that, for, for example, the majority of a group might not agree with. And the other thing that sadly happens many times with online discussion groups in the lifestyle and also just, you know, vanilla online group discussions is there will be a dominant or leader of the discussion group and they will want all the voices to sing their praise and sing the same song. And if you don't, then the then the shaming begins. And it's really sad, but it does happen. So we need to be careful when we engage with online discussion groups, especially in the lifestyle, that we are choosing to associate with groups that allow for differing opinions that don't shame when you when you disagree or heaven forbid somebody says that they practice rack rather than s you know rather than the safe saying consensual that you know if you have a person in the group that that's a practitioner of rack that they don't get you know kind of publicly put on the old fashioned medieval torture thing the rack by shaming them that it's just it's it's a civil discourse and civil discourse is encouraged so we have to be careful about all of that that negative gatekeeping that happens around the lifestyle. And the first thing we have to be careful of when we see gatekeeping or that we need to really be aware of is when we see gatekeeping, we have to recognize and acknowledge that unfortunately it is an issue in the lifestyle. And the reason that it's an issue is that it can keep people, great people, amazing people from coming to the lifestyle. So yes, it it's not a perhaps as urgent of a issue to be aware of as our own safety, but it's an issue that can impact the growth of the community. So it's important to recognize that we do have this issue in the lifestyle. And when we see it, understand that, first of all, it may be inadvertent. The person may not realize that they are they're putting up gates or appearing to put up gates they may not realize what they said was interpreted the way it was interpreted. So it's important to approach somebody who you suspect might be doing a little gatekeeping and, and be kind about it and explain why the behavior is problematic and why you are seeing what they're saying as potential gatekeeping. And also, when we're looking for groups of people to socialize with in the lifestyle, especially online, is look for groups that are diverse. Look for groups that have varying varying opinions rather than just singing to a choir. And if you're not sure whether the group that you are kind of feeling out is diverse, share a contrarian opinion and see what happens. Is it accepted? Even if you're not vested in that opinion or you don't agree with it perhaps yourself but you know putting it out there will be contrarian 
see how the group responds. And that'll tell you a lot about, about the group. Um, a great thing is many people in the lifestyle, especially online, are going to practice safe, sane, and consensual as their means of staying safe during lifestyle play. So if you are, you know, wanting to kind of stir the pot, see how see how a group handles a different opinion. Talk about being somebody that practices risk-aware consensual kink, rec. And if what I just said about safe, sane, and consensual in a rec um, doesn't kind of ring a bell and you're new and these terms are new, um, scroll back through a few podcasts and you'll find an episode called When It's Good to Be a Prick. Um, it would be a great, great listen and help explain some of the um, the methods that that we have in the lifestyle to encourage and keep everyone safe. Um, so... It's important that we work together to keep the community, the community better, to be positive, and to really ensure a more, more equal access for everyone rather than, rather than gatekeeping, and to be welcoming. And it's something that we all, individually, need to practice to keep the lifestyle alive and doing well, rather than keeping, keeping people away because they may not being perhaps as intense about the lifestyle or involved in a different way than you are. It doesn't make it wrong. It just means that they practice it differently and we still need to still need to welcome them to the lifestyle. And the more people we welcome, the, the more people that can learn about the lifestyle. And the more we teach the lifestyle, the safer the lifestyle will be and the safer the lifestyle will be. The, well, safety is safety is paramount. Really where we need to gatekeep is we need to be our own gatekeeper because within the lifestyle, the only person that can keep you safe is yourself by trying to make good, safe choices. Boy, I sound like a parent. Make good choices. It's funny, I'm not a parent. Uh, was a dog dad, but that is the extent of my parenting experience. So, yeah. But anyway, the Gatekeeping needs to be reserved for ourselves and how we associate with others in the choices we make to stay safer in the lifestyle. But we also need to work to mitigate the crapola gatekeeping that is out there that centers around things that don't really matter and be welcoming to everyone who is curious about learning about the lifestyle. So, on that note, Let's unlock the door and open the floodgates up and welcome everybody who walks through the gates. Um, I don't think it'll necessarily be a flood of new people, but there definitely will be a continued stream of, of new voices coming to the lifestyle. And we, and we need to welcome them rather than try and turn them away for um, a bunch of craptastic reasoning. So on that note, I want to wish everyone a fabulous week. And if you are in the United States, I hope that uh, you had a good holiday weekend and that your Monday and Tuesday went well and your short week is fabulous and short and not stressful because you missed a day of work. And no matter where you listen, 
Please don't forget to click the follow button so you never miss an episode. And we will be back to chat more next week. I look forward to chatting with you then.